Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It only feels like yesterday that NYCFC were crowned MLS Cup champions and already a new season is upon us. The 2022 campaign welcomes a new team in Charlotte FC and an array of new stars like Tiago Almada, Douglas Costa, Sheridan Shakiri, and Lorenzo Insignia to name but a few. I'm joined by LAFC's play-by-play commentator, my man on the pod, Max Bretos, as well as the Athletics, the amazing Paul Tenorio to look ahead to another year of Major League Soccer. Gigo Lasso MLS preview begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kego Lasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We're on Twitter, Kego Lasso Pod, youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso. And don't forget to subscribe. We're nearly there to 10,000 subscribers. Right then, today is all about MLS, what's happened off the season. And also, of course, as we look ahead to the upcoming one. First of all, returning to the show, looking so good, Max Bretos. Max, how are you, buddy? I feel great, and uh, thanks. You, you always put me over so well, Luis Miguel, so I appreciate that. So, you know, we're recording this early a.m. on the West Coast, so uh, it's not that early a.m., but in, in my world it is, and you just pick – you're like a cup of coffee. So appreciate it. Excited to be here to talk about this wonderful league. Well, I appreciate it, my friend. I only learned from the best, Max Bretos, and that's <laughs> you, buddy, so thank you. And you look so good for so early in the morning, so I really – Actually, look, I have my, I'm going to the gym, so I don't <laughs> want to give that impr- – that's a, a humble, a humble bracket, but I put this over to look a little bit more, you know. Well, you look good, my man. Camera you ready. always look good. And hey, the debut, Gigolasso debut for the Athletics, Paul Tenorio. Paul, how are you, buddy? I like that ball behind you. Yeah, you know, I put that there for you. It's this side of me. <laughs> because I know, you know, you do the CBS thing, the Champions League and all that stuff, Europa League. So I had to I had to represent for you, Luis Miguel and and Max over here, humble bragging about going to the gym and stuff, shaming me, <laughs> shaming me into having to go work out later today. Now I, now well, I, hey, I'm obligated. Paul, it's usually like a, a, a light run, a light lift, and about ten minutes in the sauna. That's about it at this at my age. So I, I'll just pump the brakes. I'd rather be, I do rather do some light reading in your abode right now. <laughs> well, you know what? When you're in California and it's what 70, 80 every day, nice, dry, and sunny. I mean, I get jealous every single time. But uh, you know, welcome everybody. Welcome to Max. Welcome to Paul. Today, of course, is MLS preview as MLS 2022 season is upon us. Obviously, kicking off early earlier than most years because of the World Cup. And we're here with Max and uh, Paul to break it all down. We're going to talk about, you know, what's been going on offseason, those transfers, specifically with some big names. Also, we're going to discuss the East Coast as well, defending champions NYCFC and what they have upon them on their side. Uh, We'll take a quick break. We'll talk about the new boys in town, Charlotte FC, of course, and the West Coast. Uh, You know, Max can give us the lowdown on LAFC, but we can talk much more, of course, on the West side of things. And we'll do final predictions and thoughts, including most improved team, supporters, Shield, MLS Cup winner, MVP, Golden Boot, and so much more. All right, so let's get things going. Max, let's begin with you. 
Uh, and Paul, please chime in after. But th this is, you know, off season is always fun. MLS, uh, specifically these last few years. We have to begin, Max Bretos, with Lorenzo Insigne. I mean, he's not coming to, to the summer. He's not coming to the summer, but a big name for Toronto FC. Any initial thoughts over the Italian heading over here? Well, and Paul will really be able to dabble on this as well, because to me, this was the uh, the the biggest offseason for MLS. And that's saying a lot because the last two were pretty seismic. But Lorenzo Insigne, when it happened, and I guess the initial thought was so many people were outraged that this talented Italian in the thick of his career, in the, you know, really in the ascendancy of his career, playing for one of the top clubs with huge aspirations to lift a Scudetto, with huge aspirations to play with Italy in the World Cup. People were outraged. They go, what, why would he do such a thing? Uh, and uh, it didn't make any sense. And I'm like, I'm lapping it all in. And I'm like, you know, I, I, you, know you had to defend the league a little bit. But look, it was, it was something we haven't really seen because of the, the numbers, the financial part of it. And uh, it is, it's pretty seismic as well in that, in that front. Uh, Lorenzo Insigne is an incredible talent. Toronto, he's going to a club that uh, is kind of returning from rock bottom. So it's, it's, they're going to put a lot of pressure on him. They're going to at least going to want him to get some initial results when he does arrive. But for me, uh, and I, and Paul, you could probably touch on this more is that is the fact of a guy uh, based, basically having all of those uh, credentials coming over. Maybe this is the beginning of, a run of, of of players doing the same. Maybe they are looking at Lorenzo Insigne as an example, saying, "Look, I want to, I want to cash out. I want to not just cash out, but I want to go maybe play for a burgeoning league and and reinvent myself and go to North America and join this league, which is doing great things. But you know, the money is a big part of it. But I, I would imagine there's a lot of players in Europe that are doing as well, maybe better than Lorenzo Insigne, and going, hmm, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind a taste of that. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of money. Yeah, I think you nailed it right there. I mean, the money plays a big role. $15 million a year is a substantial raise on what he was making in Italy. And, um, and, and that right now is still the cost of doing business. If you're Major League Soccer and you want to bring a player like Insigne, who's at the point of his career that he's at, right? Won a European championship with Italy, you know, has aspirations to try. I mean, if they get to the World Cup to, to do something there as well. And, you know, the... Right now, Major League Soccer still has to use money to convince those players to come here. Yeah. Could that change? Of course it could change. And what we're seeing now is the change on the front end with Major League Soccer selling players and becoming a bigger player in the international market on the selling side. And as that continues to grow and evolve and they see more and more players coming out of this league, going to European leagues and doing well... I think that's when the change starts to happen where you see comings and goings. But a couple of things have to happen. You have to have more ownership groups willing to spend this kind of money on a player. I mean, this is unprecedented, right? The previous high of salary is $7.2 million for Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So you're more than doubling that in, in gross salary right off the bat. That's going to change, by the way, the dynamics of the transfer market. Already, for example, uh, with Shakiri coming to Chicago, he knows what that salary is for Insigne. So the, the negotiations start at a different point today than they started the day before Insigne signed with Toronto FC. Um, but I do think that the, in the evolution of the league, the hope is eventually that you raise the level of the, of the league through developing talent. 
you start to sell more and more and more of that talent. And eventually the league gets a good enough reputation where moving from Syria to MLS isn't seen as a huge drop down the way the perception is still right now uh, abroad, certainly about Major League Soccer. Yeah, I've always thought three massive things that are needed for MLS, and they are happening. One of them is a development within, you know, obviously the U.S., Canada, etc. The second is obviously becoming a business transactional league, where no longer you're just like purchasing aging players or whatever, but also now you're selling, right? We, You know, you mentioned that we're talking about, you know, Ricardo Pepe, of course, DK to West Brom, Tajan to Brugge, Matt Turner, Arsenal, etc., etc., etc. And then the third part, which is something that I like, which we'll get to right now, is obviously... You know, the business that these clubs are doing in South America and Latin America and bringing these, you know, undiscovered talents, so to speak. Miguel Almiron being obviously one of the biggest examples. Let's go back to you, Paul. I'd love to, you know, Max chime in here. But the other big names, of course, you mentioned Shakiri, Douglas Costa as well. Diego Almada, that maybe not many know, but he is a talent as well, heading to Atlanta United. Any thoughts on the other players that are coming in for this season? Yeah, I mean, look, what we're seeing now is what MLS should have always aspired for. It's a mix, right? You have players who are in their 30s, early 30s, or towards their 30s who are in their prime, or maybe even just a teeny bit outside of that prime coming to MLS. And you also have top young players from South America and other places coming to the league as well. And and that's really important for Major League Soccer. It's it's okay to have 30-year-old players coming to this league. It's not a bad thing. You Obviously, you want them coming motivated and able to contribute. But you look at what Nani did in Orlando City, you can still find that, David Villa in in NYCFC when he was here. Um, I I think it's a good thing. Now, the next step, and it's a really important step for Major League Soccer, is going to be able to show that they can consistently take players from South America and Central America or Mexico, potentially, and sell them abroad. You you mentioned Miguel Amiron. He's probably the best example. He's also one of the only examples of a player who's come to Major League Soccer (laughs) and made the jump, right? You look at some of the disappointments. I mean, Brian Rodriguez... Diego Rossi, they haven't ended up in places where you would have expected where LA for prices that you would have hoped. Obviously, COVID played a big role in that, and we should acknowledge that. But eventually, MLS is going to have to show that not only can they sell young American homegrown players, but that they can sell these under-22 initiative players. They can sell these young DPs as well. If they do that, I mean, it is a game changer. And we're going to see that now. We're going to have a chance to see that in the next few years because of guys like Fagundo Torres in Orlando City and Alan Velasco in Dallas and Jairo Torres coming from Atlas potentially to Chicago. I reported yesterday it's very, very close to being done. So as these young players come into the league, the next step is to sell them. And if that starts to happen, I think we're going to see a massive rush of agents trying to push their players here already starting to occur, but with aspirations to really, truly get to the next level. Yeah, and Paul, with the, the young South American players, I, I, I would admit I was a little I was a little worried about the project as a whole because of the players that you mentioned that have not taken that next step. You want to see Ezequiel Barco. You want to see Brian Rodriguez go from uh, potentially a, a $20 million player. I mean, I don't think it was that far-fetched when you talk about the talent that they had when they arrived here so they could be sold on. And the Miguel Almiron is, is so important here because it is that – Rare success story there. I, I I know we're going to talk about some of the American players, young American players that have been developed here that have moved on uh, above the the market value that we had set years before. And I wonder if that inspires some of the South American players to follow. I would add that 
He wasn't a DP, but Eduardo Tuesta, who was with LAFC, coming at a very low price tag and being able to be developed to be sold on to Palmeiras yeah. is another indicator that, that it works. This group of South American players is really exciting. I've had the fortune, the good fortune the last two years to call uh, Libertadores and Sudamericana, and I'd see them. So as you do research, you, you talk about Tiago Almada, and you would say, okay, Manchester United's interested, Manchester City. I mean, you don't have to say anything more when you talk about what these guys are worth. If these guys can click, I think Almada is the most interesting one because he really is a uh, mercurial talent, sort of a cut above kind of player. He's going to be an interesting watch. Going to Atlanta is very tricky because the surface, that's something these players, an indoor stadium that they're not used to, not to mention all the challenges with playing in Major League Soccer. Torres and Velasco are, are two real exciting prospects that, you know, the clubs had to come up and pay for. And uh, I think collectively there's a comfort level with these guys that are going to come over. But Almada is the most interesting one without question in my estimation. And you talked about some of the uh, the senior players that are also joining Major League Soccer. Sheridan Shakiri excites me a little bit more than Insigne. Not big picture, but just as a guy who can make an impact coming to a club that needs him. I, I, before we did this podcast, I, I, I looked at I, I was expecting that he was 32, 33. I think he's 30. And he's going to be at the World Cup. So I, he's a guy that could have a big impact. And Douglas Costa, at, to a lesser degree, all in all, when you see the, the, introduction, the introduction of talent to Major League Soccer, you have to get excited. This is, this is telling because not only are MLS fans going to be excited, but people around the world have to be paying attention regardless of how successful these players end up being here. Yeah, 100%. There's some also some interesting interleague transfers of note, by the way. Josie and Leget as well to the Revs. Albert Rusnak to the Sounders. Acosta, Maxime Kropo to LAFC. What, what, what speaks out to you if I'm mentioning those names, uh, Paul Tenorio? Well, I'm, I'm most interested to see Josie in New England. You know, Bruce Arena has a tendency to get more out of certain guys than other coaches. That's what he's known for, his ability to connect to a locker room and to have the right mix of how he treats guys. Certainly a relationship with Josie Altidore from the national team in the past. Where Josie Altidore can go still is a question mark. But it's a big one. I mean, it's a big one in a World Cup year for the U.S. where there's still yeah. a question mark on their number nine position. So I'm incredibly intrigued to see what happens with Josie Altidore. I love Rusnak to Seattle. I think it's a fantastic move. It's not just about putting all of your stars on the field at one time. It's an understanding that you're going to need depth over the course of the season. You're in the Champions League. You're, you have aspirations for an MLS Cup. I mean, it's the first time we've seen a DP signed as a free agent in Major League Soccer. Again, another savvy move by Garth Lagerway, who recognizes uh, where you can find talent in this league, getting it for cheap. Essentially, it's a free transfer and, and you know, making a good team stronger. So that's my favorite MLS move of the offseason is Rusnak. But Josie is by far my most intriguing. Yeah. Bretas, what do you think? What's your favorite? Well, Paul nailed it. He goes about looking within the league to not only help your club, but get a difference maker and Rusnak yeah. is that kind of guy and you look at the mid-level European well, mid to high level European playmaker number 10 striker kind of guy that could come to Major League Soccer and make a good living well Albert Rusnak's your poster boy uh who you know comes from you know Slovakia which is a little bit off the beaten path for the way the MLS recruits but now, now there's a, a success story in that front but by and large for MLS clubs to look internally and fix their 
fix their deficiencies with really good MLS players. And, and you, you know it's going to have to cost you. Obviously, the apparatus in many cases with the allocation money and international spots, et cetera, have to come into view. And I don't want to get into that because I just don't know enough about it. Paul, I'm sure, is up to his, his eyebrows in that kind of conversation from time to time on how this league works. But these good general managers, and I'll throw John Thornton, who was really crafty and doing the same thing, and you mentioned Maxine Crapeau and Kellen Acosta. Uh, and maybe folks are waiting for this big European or South American signing, but you have a, a, a guy who's proven to be a really good goalkeeper or uh, number eight or a number 10 in the case of Rusnak or Josie Altador, who I, I, I agree with you, Paul. I think he's going to be a real success at New England. He fits um, – he fits the bill there and he gives the guy, he gives them a little more depth and some cover for Buxa as well, that you can go into major league soccer and fix your problems. I don't think you can always say that in the past. There is a, a wealth of talent and experience within that you can use with the league's apparatus in tow, where you can get some quality and a guy that generally, and we've seen this in the past, can put you over the top. And I think you can say that about Altador. I think you can say that about Rusnak. And I think you can say that even about a guy like Kellen Acosta. Yeah, it's going to be really intriguing as we uh, get closer to that beginning of the season and how, of course, they work and play within their new setups. All right. So from transfers offseason uh, conversations, let's talk about the nitty gritty. The you know, Let's go first to the East Coast, uh, because obviously that's where the defending champions, NYCFC. First of all, very easy question. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's not easy, but a simple one. Uh, uh, Paul, can NYCFC, uh, can they repeat this thing? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest moves or non-moves of the offseason was Tati Castellanos staying with NYCFC. Huge. Unexpected. No one one expected that. And so you're talking about a team who didn't really lose any big pieces and added a really really good piece as well. The center back that they brought in from the Japanese league, you talk to GMs around the league, and they're talking that he could be one of the better center backs in MLS this year. Uh, Martins, I think his name is. So, so this is a team that's getting stronger, and not to be surprised, right? It's City Football Group, they have resources and scouting that no other MLS team has. They're able to go and find players at all the different price points that fit MLS. So, absolutely, I think NYCFC might be a team that's maybe most primed to repeat. You know, since looking and and by the way, you look at Seattle, you look at Toronto when they were going back to MLS Cups year after year. You know, this is it, it has a similar feel to this NYCFC roster to have depth pieces still there, have your stars still there. Now, the big question mark for New York is going to be, do they sell Castellanos in the summer window? I think they will. How does that change the locker room? How does that change the team? How does that change the mood of the season? Who do they bring in to replace him? Do they That's have something the lined up? Yeah. Right. So could they? Yeah, they absolutely could. Does it all depend on the summer transfer window? I think so. <laughs> I, I love New York City FC, and it, it comes down to the city group because you're not just seeing a, uh, a an ownership that is just sitting there and happy that they have a team in New York. That said, they, they got to get a stadium there, and we look forward to that happening. But with success and creating uh, a good team for the present and the future, I, they're getting there. The Talis Magno signing is one of those moves that gives you the uh, – the feeling that they are here for the long term and they're using this to develop players and be profitable. Uh, Tati Castellanos, I'm with Paul. I, w- I was surprised that he's still there, but he doesn't seem, I mean, I, Grant, I'm not reading too much of the New York City FC clippings all the way out here in LA, but he doesn't seem too perturbed about it. He knows he's a young player. That is a product of the City Group and their 
a network of clubs and scouting. Uh, uh, Rodriguez is another one. He had a great postseason. So they have uh, a means to get uh, talent quickly or develop talent, which we will see here with the some of those young players that I don't think they thought were going to contribute right away, but did at the end of that postseason. And they all played a role in getting New York City FC over the finish line. So the City Group, you know, we have City Group, we have Red Bull, and Red Bull come off the boil a bit, but I wouldn't underestimate what they're capable of. And maybe they can kind of, they'll feel the fire of New York City kind of taking the, the glow in that part of the world. That is a club that's going to remain amongst the uh, the league's elite, in my estimation, for many years to come, with or without Tati Castellanos, because I feel confident they will have the replacement. They are ambitious, and they know how to, they know how to fill a gap. It's all worked out perfectly, except for the stadium. Everything else is clicking. And <laughs> I was, that last piece. I, I, that I was just going to say. I was just going to say, they just need that yeah, ground, okay. and that's it. Yeah, well, Tati yeah, Castellanos. Yeah, yeah, you got to give them credit. Got to give them credit for that. It's true. For everything, it's true. Up, for everything else. <laughs> they did win it. They did win it. All right. We're going to uh, keep it a little brief here in the contenders because we still got so much to talk about. But, you know, Mac, coming right back to you and then Paul, you chime in. Obviously, the East Coast are uh, looking up to NYCFC, looking who can dethrone NYCFC. We've talked about the Revs and, you know, Bruce Arena getting the band back together and, and sort of speak. Toronto, Bob Bradley, of course, making memories maybe north of the border. Lorenzo Insigne in the summer. How about Philly Union, by the way? We had Andre Blake. Um, as a guest on this show. And he said, you know, regarding obviously what happened with the COVID-19 issues on their way to hopefully making it to MLS Cup, it didn't work out. He said, look, don't get bitter, get better. So there's obviously a focus right now for Philly and Andre Blake. Which other teams do we think as well in the East Coast, Max Bretos? What are you looking at that can maybe uh, push it up uh, towards the NYCFC title? Well, my pick would be the Revs with what they've been able to do and be able to get across the tape this time around after uh, falling short, winning the supporter shield a season ago. Uh, a team like Atlanta United is intriguing, but they'll have a lot of things they have to, to figure out. Araujo, Araujo who uh, they're still waiting on to really develop is going to be an interesting case, yeah. but I, they will be there. They'll, they'll be one of the contenders. They'll be a playoff team. And let's not forget about miles Robinson as a guy who can really lock down the back of the defense. You just never know. Uh, maybe it's a, and maybe Orlando can figure it. Out. You know, teams that didn't change too much and have a good coach that may be bouncing off a bad year. You think of Columbus and Toronto. Toronto's going to be much better because that's just what Bob Bradley does. How much better depends on how that supporting cast comes around. But you know, Columbus is a team that still has a good infrastructure and their coach is great. So I would expect them to have a big bounce back here. But I expect the Revs to be there for MLS Cup in the end. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a, there are a lot of intriguing teams in the East. I, you mentioned one that I kind of have as my dark horse. There's a lot of change that happened in the roster, so that's one red flag. But I really love Orlando City and Oscar Pereja. I think the more you get his style of players on the field and his hands on and his fingerprints on that roster, the more you're going to start to see that team play the type of soccer he likes to play. Yes, they lost DK, they lost Chris Mueller, they lost Nani. But they add Torres, they add Erchan Kara, the striker out of Austria, 27 goals, I think, in 54 games. So the guy can put the ball in the net. And I just think that Oscar Pereja, the more he works with a group, the more that identity starts to shine through. So I don't know that I would put them at the top, right, with NYCFC and New England, which I think are the two teams you're looking at when you were talking about the East. But I think Orlando City is a team that can make some noise during the regular season and is you know, that team in the playoffs that no one really talks about, they're like a four seed or a five seed, and then they get hot. 
Uh, I really like Orlando City. I'm interested to see how quickly things – I think it'll be one of those instances where maybe start a little slow because of the guys they lost, but heat up by the end of the year and, and are really hitting their stride by the time the playoffs come around. Hey, listen, when you have Pedro Galese, anything is possible. Of course. All right, everybody. Paul Tenorio, Max Bretos, MLS Preview. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the new boys in town, Charlotte FC and the West Coast, of course, including at the very end, some final thoughts with some predictions and much, much more. MLS 2022 Preview, Max Bretos, Paul Tenorio, Que Golazo, LME. We'll be right back. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Que Golazo MLS 2022 preview. The Athletics, Paul Tenorio, Max Bretos, LAFC's finest. All right, let's talk about, first of all, Paul, I'll come to you first because I'm intrigued, Paul Tenorio, uh, for lack of a better phrase, uh, by Charlotte FC because it hasn't really gone too well. Uh, they wanted that uh, Darwin Machis, a Venezuelan striker who plays in La Liga. Uh, it didn't work out. And when they asked Miguel Angel Ramirez, the head coach, about it and how it fell through, he said, Let's wait and see how the roster building finishes. When we finish that, I will answer that question and tell you how I see things. Right now, we're screwed. <laughs> What's going on in Charlotte FC and the and the start or not so great start as they look ahead to to their life in MLS? Yeah, not great. Not great. I think um overall when you look at Charlotte, what you're seeing I think is is a little bit of missed opportunity mixed with a little bit of ego. And a little bit of a lack of preparation. And for me, it, it's right now the equation looks like it's going to be a really bad expansion team. Um, and and what what stands out to me when you look at Zoran Cornetta, the general manager, some of the quotes he's given to my colleague Sam Stace called The Athletic and to Major League Soccer, MLSsoccer.com, you know, saying things like it's not that difficult. You don't need to lean too much on MLS experience. Um, <laughs> you know, you can't tell me that MLS is a more difficult league than the championship, which it you know when you talk about those leagues, it's not about quality of player. It's the, what makes the championship difficult is much different than what makes Major League Soccer difficult, and the level of player and the style of player is different. Yeah. And there's there's a lack of understanding there, and you see in the way they built the roster, the lack of Major League Soccer experience on that roster is going to come back and bite them. They're going to be lacking depth, and more importantly, they're lacking top end stars. But what really stands out to me is some of the issues that are going on just beyond the first team roster. You know, some of the infrastructure things that you would expect from Major League Soccer teams, especially with a two year run up to starting their first season, just aren't there. They don't have great 
They don't have a plan for a training facility. We haven't heard anything about what they're doing there. We've seen the technical director, Mark Nichols, leave before the season starts. You see the president of the club, Tom Glick, leave before the season starts. Multiple leaders be even further down the chain. You're talking about the in the academy, in scouting infrastructure, also leaving. That's a red flag. There's yeah. There are some real problems there in Charlotte. And I think that we're going to see that manifest in the results on the field. And I would expect that leads to even more change. And with more change comes more struggles. We've seen it time and time again. We've seen it in Minnesota. We've seen it in Cincinnati. We saw it even in Orlando when they changed things after the first year and the struggles that caused. I don't think it'll be any different in Charlotte. I think Cincinnati is maybe a little bit excited that that they have some competition <laughs> to jump over at the bottom of the table. <laughs> well, there's a... There's the silver lining. I, look, there's some good things about Charlotte when they came in and obviously engaging the a North Carolina fan base, which a few years ago would have been seen as science fiction, to be able to get people excited about Major League Soccer. They're going to have a great turnout, and people are excited about wearing the shirt. Miguel Angel Ramirez was a, a guy I followed in South America, had this Pep Guardiola feel to him, this genius guy who took Independiente del Valle to uh, new heights with uh, – in the with in Ecuador. Uh, then he went to Internacional of Porto Alegre. It didn't go as well, but still the guy that you can see uh, coaching big clubs. And then he comes here. I also want to say they, they took care of their broadcast team. They got Eric Krakauer, Lloyd yep. Sam, and Katie yep. with a very important in this league to have a good broadcast team. 100%. Great crew. Yeah. You get the content, you get it down, and then you have some good storytelling and someone who can, you know, do some good messaging for the club. Uh, I will also add that, you know, we, we've kind of gone through with these expansion teams and Atlanta came in and LAFC came in. And I wonder if there's this perception that you have to come in and make the postseason, which really isn't fair. And we've seen that with the more recent teams, Cincinnati and Austin, they all take their lumps, which is what you're supposed to do with regards to being an expansion team. And Charlotte FC, with all that enthusiasm and, and euphoria, people were probably saying, OK, we're going to have a great season. But. It's not realistic to do that. Uh, that said, everything that Paul touched on shows you a team that's a little ill-prepared, uh, missing uh, on some of their targets, obviously not completely their fault, but you've got to have a contingency plan. There's a couple guys I like there. And Alan Franco uh, is, is a nice midfielder. But you look at that team, they're going to take their lumps. And, you know, when Paul starts mentioning FC Cincinnati, you're, you're, you're looking right at the bottom which is going to take a lot of that momentum away. But, you know, that's the way it is. They should be better prepared. You know, Miguel Angel's been appointed, I think, since July. So he – and this is not all on him, but obviously with some changes in the front office, there should have been a, a – there should they should be further along. And even the offseason, when I saw other clubs making their moves, getting signing players, Charlotte was pretty quiet. And uh, they're going to, unfortunately, reap what they sow here in this season – Again, it's an expansion team, and you can you can see what you need, and you shouldn't rush into these things and get into big contracts if you're not quite ready. But they look as ill prepared of a team as I've seen in uh, in, in a few years, and that even you know that that may even be on the Cincinnati level. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I just want to note they have the richest owner in Major League Soccer that's not City Football Group or the Red Bull Group, right? If you're talking about individual wealth of an owner, David Tepper has the most money of any MLS owner. So they have the funds and the resources to do this right. They just haven't yet. And it goes across <laughs> where they spent their money, how how quickly they're spending it, but also the things that we talked about at the beginning of the show, looking in Major League Soccer for talent that can help you 
that can cover up some some issues that you have, put some band-aids and allow you to be competitive in year one to hold on to that season ticket base. And, and you know, that's worth noting as well. But I, I do want to point out that, you know, this is another team like Colorado that won't shouldn't have an excuse of an ownership that can't spend. This owner yeah. can spend. The yeah. question is, will he and will he do it in the right places? And can he do it fast enough to fix the problems that are clearly evident in Charlotte right yeah. now? Well, well, they got you the Reina, Luis Miguel, so you got that going for you. Oh, uh, well, yeah, well, he has his own issues, so we'll see what happens there. Hey, you know what I'm going to say as a Peruvian who grew up in England? Sometimes then not having a relegation system is going to help a team like Charlotte FC because they can take their sweet time. By the way, their barbecue sauce is really good, so maybe they can just really uh, sell out. But to your point, though, Max, it's very important to have a team that tells these stories as well because they can be very beneficial when it comes to spreading the message. All right, let's uh, move on. West Coast, you saw it at the halftime show in the Super Bowl. We get that West Coast feel. Let's talk about the West Coast. Um, Listen, I mean, obviously, let's go anywhere you want. Obviously, Max Bretos, let's begin with you. Your overall thoughts over this side of the country when it comes to MLS specifically, obviously, both LA teams, Seattle Sounders, of course, you can never disregard them but you know you can begin with lafc my friend steve chirondolo what's going on there can he resuscitate the black and gold and get carlos vela finally to that mls cup title it's going to take some time and there's a lot of turnover with lafc but steve chirondolo is is just a wonderful man and he has so much uh history he had he has all the credibility you could possibly want and Watching him at training, which I've had the uh, the good fortune of being able to go a little more frequently, thankfully with COVID restrictions, not as severe as they once were, which is another big story about MLS where we're going to see that uh, certainly materialize in a lot yeah, of ways, many point. ways that we don't even know. Yeah, so good that, point. That, Especially a league where there's so much travel and stuff. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Uh, and listen, I, I will tell you this. I've been at training six times in three weeks. I went to training maybe six times in two years. Actually, maybe maybe two times in two years prior to that. So access and doing all that, you're going to feel that whether you're a broadcaster, whether you're a player, whether you're a fan, whether you're an administrator, executive, you name it. Uh, But what uh, LAFC has done is I think they looked at a very young team that they had and they were making a lot of mistakes. John Thorington went out and got experience and he's still getting experience. He may still be getting experience. Recently adding Ryan Hollingshead, uh, Ilya Sanchez, Kellen Acosta, Maxime Crapo, fixing things, getting John McCarthy as a backup as well. So building a team where there's not going to be excuses because there weren't experience or ready for it. And that's going to help Steve Chirundolo. I think it's important to give it some time. I know the LAFC fan base is going to want results right away. Maybe it happens. But when you take into consideration, this is a guy in his first major job, He's he's had all the He's had all the training in Germany. That's going to prop him up. On on paper, he's got the perfect combination for MLS. He has that American sensibility and know-how. He's had that experience overseas, which where he's had great perspective as well. LAFC is going to be a playoff team. They're going to compete for MLS Cup. The West is pretty loaded, though. And, you know, you talked about Seattle with adding Albert Rusnak. They are the gold standard. Portland got to MLS Cup. By the way, beautiful new jerseys that are coming out with. They were able to maintain Sebastian Blanco. Not having Diego Valeri is not a minor detail. To me, he is on the Mount Rushmore of MLS players uh, for what he has been able to contribute to this league over the years. So Portland's got a good team. They have the Chadas in place. They have uh, they've invested very well in South America. They've hit more than they've missed when they've gone to South America, getting more 
experienced players than the uh, the wet behind the ears crew. So the West is again very top heavy. That's that said, Real Salt Lake. What are they going to obviously no Rusnak, but underestimate that group at your own peril. Who knows what young player, much like we have seen with FC Dallas and the Philadelphia Union to a lesser degree, developing some good young players. This is a it's going to be a tough league, and there's. The bottom's got a little better. FC Dallas, we talked about Velasco. Houston with new ownership making some moves as well. So where there may have been some easy results, Austin FC, they're going to be much better. It's not going to, it's it's going to change the uh, landscape a bit and how the West looks. But I expect Seattle, I expect Portland, Sporting, LAFC to be key, to be competing for that top spot. Yeah, Max, I would agree with that. I think I think sporting is one right there that you said at the end that I think is always going to be in the mix. Um, certainly without Polito playing this year, that's that's a big loss for them. But, you know, they they always have a deep roster. Peter Vermees knows how to win in this league. I expect them to be very present in the race in the Western Conference. Um, and But I think it, it runs through Seattle. Uh, right now with that roster, the way it looks, uh, the experience of the, the technical staff, the experience of the team itself, guys like, you know, and we talk about the big names, Rui Diaz and Rusnak and Lodero there. Christian Roldan is maybe one of, the most valuable players in major league soccer for all of the different roles he can fill yeah. the experience he brings his, his, um, his knack for knowing what the team needs in big games. And we get a healthy Jordan Morris for a full year, hopefully in Seattle as well, added back into that attack. So, you know, I think Seattle is the favorite in the West. I'm interested to see LAFC. I think John Thornton is a little nod back to what they did well in their expansion season going and getting MLS experience. We've talked about it numerous times on this show. It helps the depth of your team, and the depth of your team is what pushes you, propels you to the top of the standings. Not a surprise to me that they went shopping in MLS to help a first-year first head coach get things going, that he can count on a couple veterans that know the league, put them in the lineup, and you know what you're going to get. So um, the one question mark I have really is the Galaxy. Are they going to be – you know, a top end galaxy? Are they going to be fighting for a playoff spot? Greg Vanny, I have a lot of faith in his ability as a manager. Um, you know, Douglas Costa, I'm interested to see how that works out, to be honest. My, Super I'm, intriguing, Paul. I'm Let's expand on Douglas Costa and LA Galaxy. You know, obviously, sitting behind Chicharito on one side. How, how, what, what do you make of this one? I don't know what to make of it. My my gut instinct is that it's not a great signing. That to, to give him a DP contract is a mistake. That you could have probably brought him on a lesser money or you should have been talking lesser money. Obviously, he was at Gremio. They went down in Brazil. Only had two goals for them this season. Yeah. But when you go, I went to Smarter Scout, which is a website I love, that essentially what they do is they take all their stats and they can equate it to a, a league that you're searching under. So for me, Major League Soccer, but you can say, how will this player translate to France or England or whatever? And they took his Brazilian stats and translated it to MLS, and he does very well. It, it looks like he can be an impactful player in this league, which shouldn't be surprising considering his history, yeah. his resume, the places he's been. A nanny sort of narrative, maybe. Yeah. You hope so. Yeah, but I'm a little bit skeptical. I just I'm I'm not jumping into that, you know, head first. Okay, I'm gonna dip a toe in, and wait and see what the temperature is a little bit. What do you think, Max? I, I like the Galaxy make having an improved season, and uh, Douglas Costa is a guy who's gonna come in here. I think he wants to kind of hide in the background a little bit, but they're gonna want him to be a featured player. They have some good pieces around there, but. This is the reality. This was a bad year for L.A. The league looks to L.A. to be a flagship, 
And with LAFC and the Galaxy missing the playoffs, that can't happen. And it's not one can make it. They both do. And I'm a bit in the minority here in the LAFC camp. I want the Galaxy to do well because, as they say, a high tide. You know, the LAFC supporters won't have it. They go, no, let them. I go, trust me on this. If we want a good, healthy rivalry and we want to build this thing, it's good that they are here. It obviously falls a little bit on Chicharito to to continue a high standard, which we saw uh, uh, some at the beginning of last season. Cabral, some other guys are good. And, and Greg Vanny's a great coach. He's an elite coach here. And he knows what he's doing, and I have faith that he'll be able to do it. I will also add, I, I know we didn't mention Minnesota United. I don't know if they're going to be competing for the top spots, but they'll be very competitive, and that's a team a lot of guys, a lot of clubs don't want to face. Well, to your point earlier on, the West Coast is very loaded. So, But Seattle Sanders continues to lead the way, definitely, uh, when it comes to excellence and heading towards the playoffs. All right, we're basically done. But before we go, I want to get these two to give me some final thoughts and predictions. So I'm going to say the category. And very quickly, you just tell me what you think. You don't need to give me a big essay. Just tell me exactly what, you know, a sentence maybe. We'll go from beginning here. Um, I'll ask each two. First of all, we'll go one category and then I'll ask uh, each of you for one. So let's go with most improved team by the end of this season 2022 Paul Tenaro, you go first most improved team I got two I'm sorry Toronto Insigne Bob Bradley no Soteldo no Josie Chicago Shakiri, Jairo Torres from Atlas Shabilko Chicos those are my two most improved I love it Max <laughs> most improved that's, team that's the answer right there Chicago and Toronto because they're starting so low that they will want to get uh they will show improvement and and Bob is the builder. Bob Bradley's a builder. He will get Toronto FC back and going. So numbers wise they'll be the most improved team. I'm really I'm drinking the Kool-Aid as well with Paul in Orlando City. That's a team that although they had a good season, they by season's end could be very threatening and improved in the sense that they could be an MLS Cup uh threat. I love Oscar Pareja. I'm always rooting He's for the best. him. The best. Yep. Let's keep going. Supporters Shield winner, Max Bretto. Supporters Shield winner. Supporters Shield winner. I'm going with Seattle. Uh, they had a good start last season. I expect them to do the same. Have a lot of momentum coming into the campaign as well. It, it, it's something that they don't often do, but why not try something new and get to the top? They were so good all season. They kind of sputtered out at the back end of the year, but with Albert Rusnak. And a steady flow of good young talent coming through. Very underrated with what they've been able to do with their academy. I like Seattle to finish on top. It's going to be very, it's going to be very packed at the top, though. I think by season's end. PT. Yeah, it, I, I say Seattle as well. I think of them as the best team in MLS. The one caveat is that I think the West is a little bit stronger than the East, and mm. so that could mean that the top teams in the East pick up more points against the lower teams in the conference. So maybe NYCFC, New England, but I. I I'm riding with Seattle. I, I can't. I can't look away. Yeah, I might be agreeing with you. If only Rudias could do the same for Blanqui Roja. That's for <laughs> another day. All right. Uh, how about MLS Cup winner? MLS Cup winner, Paul Tenorio. I hinted at it earlier in the show. I like Oscar Pereira in Orlando City to get <laughs> hot late in the year and to be that team that surprises everyone, makes a run through, and tops Seattle in MLS Cup. Oh, I love it, Max. I would say LFC, but I'm going to disqualify that because of yeah. my connection to the club. I, I think New England bringing the veteran players, Altador Leggett, Bruce Arena, just is iconic with regards to having success when he did that with the Galaxy, when he's done that back in the day with DD United. He gets his trophy. That's what we've learned. I think this is the year for New England. And 
Maybe they do it a little differently and not put that big target on their back when the playoffs begin. Yeah, I'm going to go with Seattle. I just think uh, they're going to learn some lessons and go back to what they know best. All right, how about MVP? MVP, Max Bretos. This is a this is a tricky one. Uh, I, there's so many good candidates, but I, I'm a, I'm going to go with all tried and tested. And I, I'm going to go with Nico Lodero. He's going to have a good season. He's going to bring it all together. This is going to be too hard. I, I think the good teams are going to have forwards that score a lot of goals. And those at, at the end of the day, that's the guy who's going to get the uh, get the nod. I just I'm a traditionalist about the all round player, all round midfield guy who can get it done. Nico Lodero's my pick. Paul, what do you think? All right, I'm coming out of nowhere with this one. I guess not that much out of nowhere, but I'm going with Shakiri. I mean, <laughs> I love he, it. I love he, it. He I like is it. a player who has to be the guy on this team, do everything, score goals and get assists. And historically, you look at MLS MVPs, the guys with the stats win the trophy. So I don't know where Chicago will finish. I don't know how good they'll be. But if Shakiri goes and gets 15 and 15, yeah. he's going to be the MVP. And I think they're going to count on him for that kind of production. There's a World Cup at the end of the year. Shakiri is going to care this season at the bare minimum to get ready for the World Cup. We're going to get him in his good form. I think he wins the MVP. I love it so much. I'm just going to, I'm so sorry, Max Bretos. I'm going to give some love to finally Chicharito getting this done. Let's give him an MVP. Let's see what Ooh. happens. I don't know what our Galaxy will do, but Chicharito hopefully will continue how he started last season. It kind of faded a little bit, but at the least at the beginning, if he can stay fit. Of course, final one, golden boot, golden boot, Poltenorio. I'm going to go with Buxa. I think that he doesn't get sold in the summer. I think that he has a ton of uh, a ton of help around him with New England, is going to be consistently scoring goals in the box. Yeah, you've got Josie there to spell him. I think that actually helps him having that competition there. As long as he's not sold in the summer, I will say this. He will be the golden boot leader going into the summer window. The question is, is the price right to sell him at that point? I like it. Max. I'd like to say Tati Castellanos, but it's, I'm pretty sure with all that momentum, he's going to be gone by the summertime. This Sheridan Shak the Shakiri shot. is a good one. I yeah. liked it. Yeah. And I was waiting for Paul Tenorio's lead to do it because, I, as I said earlier, I was like more excited about him than Lorenzo Insigne. Why yeah. not? Why, let's, put a, let's put a cherry on top. Let's get the Alpine Messi, an MVP, <laughs> and Alpine. a golden boot. That's right. I think I mean, I'm going to go with you. Funnier, but I would love to see it. No, I think not? I'm with you. I think I'm I with think you. She, yeah, she. I want to say Carlos Vela, but I, he's going to have an improved season. But I think it's it's not going to come from LA. I love it. I love it. And that is it, everybody. That is our MLS 2022 preview. What a great packed show. I want to thank Max Bretos and Paul Tenori for being part of the show. Don't forget, by the way, that MLS kicks off this weekend. And make sure to follow all the content, not just on Kego Lasso, but everywhere you can. Paul Tenorio, thank you so much, my friend. Thanks for having me. I loved, I loved being here with both of you guys. Max, always a pleasure, buddy. It's you're the two hardest working guys in this sport right now in the United States. I shouldn't be on this panel. I'm a ham and egger, but I love what you guys do. And it's still, I just want to see if I can take them. Well, here it is. Take that Kegolazo 
with me. There you go. Take that off. <laughs> I love Take it. it I love it. Max, my friend, uh, you are one of a million. So are you, Paul. I love the fact that it's three Latinos just talking some MLS. It's yeah. always good to have La Cultura representing. But thank you Gotta so much. Let's get some much. music. Let's get some music I know. Playing. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to finish right now. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Que Golazo Pod on Twitter. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Que Golazo CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. We will see you next time. Enjoy MLS 20. 22. Till next time. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.